0: Hi, I'm Cam.
1: And I'm Emily.
0: And we We are are horrified. We Are Horrified is a horror movie podcast brought to you by a married couple who love horror movies. Good
1: ones, bad ones, and everything in between.
0: I know a lot about them. And I have a lot of opinions. So please join us every other Monday for a brand new episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Bye. Bye. pumpkins it's nick the following episode of Copulators die first contains spoilers about the film we are discussing this week
1: and if you haven't seen the film go ahead and give it a watch don't worry we'll be right here waiting for you when you're ready
0: yeah and as always don't forget to rate comment and subscribe on your favorite listening application now on to this week's episode
1: are you properly hydrated
0: um, probably not. I could probably use some more hydration, but I'm happy. So, do, you need,
1: do you need hydration? We can wait.
0: I mean, I'm happy. I'm rather hydrated. Um, I can't, you know, the jury's out on if I'm healthy, but, um, I think I'm good. I think that's
1: fair. I feel like that's a fair assessment. Um, hey, everybody, for Hi. those of you who don't know. Uh, new members to the Pumpkin Patch. I'm your host, Ashley, and with me, as always, is my best friend and cohort, Nick.
0: Oh, hi. This is... (laughs) Oh, sorry. I was going to say...
1: I was just going to do my general thanks for checking in.
0: Oh, thanks for checking in. Still Still a a piece piece of garbage. garbage. It's my Um, favorite meme. It is a good one. Oh, you know what? I remembered today because I fell into a vine hole during during <laughs> my lunch break that
1: sounds dangerous
0: um it was kind of dangerous because I found a video that was 45 minutes and I was Ooh. like and I was like you know what I'm gonna just commit to it and I forgot about the one where there's the little girl in her like princess bathing suit and she's munching on a piece of celery and she looks at the camera and goes hi I want to be famous
1: um is it wrong that that vine always reminds me of you <laughs>
0: Well, I forgot that it's, like, actually my favorite until I saw it again. And it's completely appropriate because, like, I'm pretty sure she's my spirit animal.
1: I'm pretty sure that's you as a little girl.
0: I... That was me in my first life. Um, in whatever decade that was before I inhabited this body, I guess. I don't know. Jesus, I'm already fucking out there. Anyway... It's cool. Um, um, it's
1: do cool. you uh, what? Uh, uh hold ugh. on. Do you wanna do you wanna crack into this?
0: Well, I suppose first we should say, oh hi. This is "Copulators Die First, a gay horror comedy podcast where we talk about scary movies and read them to filth. Um, and we sometimes, did a very-
1: some sometimes gay stuff, but like we've been off our gay tangent as of late because this series is well, this is the last episode. Of this series that we are calling Fact versus Film, Bam, and um, this dips my toes into my research journalist blood that I always wanted to be as a as a small child.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is this is um, although it's our final installment for September, um, I highly <laughs> doubt it will be our last installment overall. And this week is probably really the first time that we're biting into a meaty folklore sandwich, if you will.
1: Yeah, it's like a cryptid crunch, cryptid Captain Crunch kind of deal.
0: Yeah, there's like, like maybe it's like a turkey sandwich from the deli, but you got fancy and put some chips in there.
1: Ugh, me all the time. You know what, dude? I've been craving... I've been craving Milburn Deli like nobody's fucking business.
0: Oh, my God. Milburn it's, Deli. It's the
1: fucking iced tea that comes right. in a little jug. And, like, um, you know, mm-hmm. that turkey sandwich. Well, actually, the turkey sandwich is really good. But they have the sandwich called the Soprano. And it has roasted red peppers on it. And just to die for. Love
0: well, it. Well, funnily enough, I was talking with... Um, a canadian friend uh a couple days ago about how in america things are very regionalized and specifically in new jersey uh the sloppy joe has double meaning because it's not just the crumbly meat sandwich it's also a specific deli sandwich that is a roasted meat with swiss cheese thousand island dressing and coleslaw typically on rye bread And I was Uh, talking about...
1: I can pass real hard on that slaw, but yeah. Oh my god,
0: no. I want it all in my mouth. Give it to me. And I was talking about how the Milburn Deli roast turkey sloppy joe is probably Uh, the best sloppy joe. I Uh, agree.
1: It's like, what? I know, you want sloppy joes too. A truck just went by. It's okay.
0: I mean, sorry. You can't. You can't have it. Sorry Yeah,
1: he's like, I would love a turkey sandwich. Give it to me right now,
0: please oh my god um yeah but but <laughs> oh, so yeah so but good. i kind of forgot about the iced tea and bra. that's oh my god oh
1: the pickle my dude the pickle, the pickle. they put oh.
0: it in there they put it in the sandwich wrapping with it
1: yeah and they had the barrel too man
0: yeah they did
1: I, my nana used to take me there like for lunch sometimes like she would want to go but she couldn't drive because she was old as fuck. So she would, like, be like, yeah. hey, if you take me to milburn Daly, I'll buy you lunch. And I was like, hell fucking yeah, Nana. Mm.
0: I, I just take- remember, I remember going there, like, summer afternoons and getting sandwiches. And then, like, eating them somewhere else.
1: Eating them in the park? Yeah. The last time I went there, I actually um did that with a mutual friend of ours, Sam. So. Uh-huh. I wonder if she's doing okay. I saw her Instagram story and I know she's not doing okay,
0: but. Oh, um, yeah. well. So, yeah. Um, it always gets better if you just get through it. So. Bow, bow, bow. bow. Yeah. Uh, um, so. Wow. Do you want to okay.
1: crack into this before we. I'm starving and a Milburn deli sandwich sounds amazing. But. So. Um, film. What? 2002. Picture it
0: sicily 1901
1: i was also thinking point pleasant west
0: virginia but so that's fine well <laughs> oh, oh shit i fucked it up yeah
1: it's okay it's Here's okay the
0: other thing when i was looking at this i kept seeing point pleasant and then i kept thinking point, point pleasant, pleasant new, jersey, new
1: jersey yeah uh 100
0: <laughs> on the boardwalk during the summer
1: um 94.3 um, the point yeah uh
0: Ew, that's really creepy. My mom just texted me while we were talking about Point Pleasant, and that's her favorite place in the world. Ew, Camille, stop being psychic. Yeah,
1: Tori just texted me about red pepper, like, right as we were talking about roasted red peppers. What is happening?
0: Kismet, I don't know. Are we throwing energies out into the universe that are (sighs) bouncing back at us because we're, like, sensitives or something?
1: If there's an energy, please provide me with a a sandwich from Milburn Deli in Milburn, New Jersey.
0: And or I'll take or a money tree. I'll take a money tree. I'll take a
1: money tree, but I'll sell for something smaller like a sandwich. Um,
0: Or a sandwich tree.
1: Sandwich tree. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Okay. Anyway.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Hold on. You ready? You ready to crack into that?
0: Oh, snap. We got sound effects, baby.
1: Yeah. That is um, brought to you by Platform Brew Co. uh, S'mores. Yummy. It's a sweet potato ale. Oh. Decadent, slightly spiced and smooth. So that's, that's what this film is. Not really. This film is fucking no. terrible. So but that, you know. but
0: that, that beverage sounds pleasantly autumn autumnal.
1: Oh, it is phenomenal. They make one every year that's just called Yammy Yammy and it's a sweet potato beer. And it's my favorite. But this is a new one, and I am pleased.
0: Pleased is punch.
1: Pleased is punch. I don't drink very often, but it's been mm-hmm. a week and it's only Tuesday.
0: Girl. So Oh, okay. it's got like
1: a nice toasted, like um, sweet potato pie flavor to it.
0: Fuck, I want yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I got it at Trader Joe's.
0: Oh shit! Oh, I gotta mm-hmm. tell Arthur.
1: I don't know. I'm. I think you guys can get it now because they just got bought out by Anheuser Busch. So, Ooh. if you can't, I will set some aside for you and put them in my fridge.
0: Wow! Mm-hmm. Wow, Linda.
1: I think Arthur would very much enjoy this since oh. he likes the craft beer
0: it 100 sounds like he would but it sounds like even i would like it
1: i think and, you would it's very smooth it's very mild it's um malty it's not like real hoppy which i fucking hate yeah. um so yeah Mockman man prophecies 2000 man
0: prophecies
1: starring richard Gere, laura linney who i fucking adore
0: uh-huh um we're Messing. For like for f- five minutes.
1: Literally, get out of my fucking head for five minutes. I feel like we're in tune again and it's been a minute.
0: Good, I'm um, glad. But I feel we're... like
1: it's because Haunting in Connecticut was just
0: fucking rough. It was it was a time. Yeah. Um Right. A lot of time. So so Mothman Prophecies. Based on the book by Gary No. John A. Keel john keel that's the one Mm um his 1975 book the mothman prophecies um and that book was based on obviously the events of the mothman creature question mark
1: yeah we'll get there but we will get there the book was originally published by john keel in 1975 So, it came way before this movie.
0: Yeah, because it was 2002. And perhaps something got lost in translation with the years, but this was a movie in which nothing happened, but many things happened all at once. And it left me with a feeling of, did I just waste two hours of my life? I'm not completely sure, but I think I might have. But... Uh,
1: Here is the tea um i watched this with my wife last night she very rarely sits down to watch our films with me because she's fucking busy she's in school full-time so Mm -hmm. she's like oh i remember watching this when it came out and it legit scared me and i was like that's fucking accurate 2002 this film was fucking terrifying
0: i mean it was creepy yeah
1: yeah it was weird it had it didn't have very many practical effects much to my chagrin but it definitely had an air of uh you know jersey devil realness of like you don't know where the fuck it came from
0: yeah this is very much like question everything you perceive because maybe it's not real the truth is out there like where are Mulder and scully type of situation that's
1: what i was waiting for like this could have easily been an x-files episode or like an x-files movie offshoot like how they did like mini movies
0: god that would have been great i would have loved that
1: oh i would fucking would have watched the shit out of that
0: except you know what i started watching it again and you know what you want you want to know why i stopped watching it again tell me because like scully is a strong fucking redheaded woman and she is she's living her life she's living it well Mm mm-hmm but god damn it, does the universe not throw her every fucking shitstorm possible? Um like,
1: also, like get a fucking clue, Brenda. Right.
0: That's all I'm that, I mean like that too, but I just it got so frustrating that like she just kept getting bashed down by the universe because it's not even karma like what did she do to deserve badness in her life but like her dog's getting killed she's getting like quote abducted by aliens and having experiments done on her she's getting punched in the face like all the things i'm like girl i can't handle this right now Um, like
1: poor scully while fox molder is being fox
0: molder right in the corner being like my sister got taken by aliens and i need to find that
1: Sucks to suck, Fox Smolder. Like, get over yourself. It's not only about you.
0: I mean, that being said, though, I will probably finish it again at some point. Especially since it's spooky season. Can we Uh, just,
1: instead of, like, fucking watching movies, can we just review X-Files episodes?
0: Um, I mean... I mean, we could
1: because it's our podcast and not yours. So we can do whatever the fuck we want. uh,
0: Oh.
1: I'm a big fan of, like, the pilot because baby Seth Green is in it.
0: Mm, he is. Um there's a couple episodes that I'm like, these are stellar. And then there's like those 20 episodes in between the stellar ones where you're like, uh like, I know,
1: I know. Like,
0: the one that like really like at this moment in time is like uh shining in my head is that one with like the weird uh like high society, like Vampire woman, do you remember that one? And like the beginning is like an old guy in a pool, and they find him, and like the pool is like all blood.
1: Oh, so you mean like that time David Bowie was a vampire?
0: Oh my god, yeah, basically, basically, yeah, basically, um, The Hunger, but it was an yep. episode,
1: yep, yep,
0: um. um so yeah.
1: 2002, Deborah Messing, fresh off Will and Grace, still hot right. and piping. Right, she Like still I looks was good.
0: Yeah, I, I was, I was thinking in my head like, how do you describe this time in Deborah Messing's life? And it's, it's like so
1: weird. It's such a weird, yeah. weird fucking time.
0: It's like post Will and Grace, but she's committed to still keeping the red Grace Adler hair. But it's pre-everybody knowing that she's biffles with Mariska Hargitay because we don't have social media yet. So it's, like, this very scary point in time in her life, I feel, where it's, like, who am I now? Where is my career going? And I'm sure she could look back now and tell Younger herself that, like, don't worry, everything will be fine.
1: Like, this Um, was a fine decision because it was literally for five minutes.
0: Right. Um, Do you think
1: that was her butt? I, I
0: Honestly, uh she was still in really I mean she's still probably in really good shape, but like she was still definitely in like um like Grace Adler shape. And Grace Adler was always like skinny little mini, so right. Um but yeah, yeah. I just
1: I love don't, Will and Grace.
0: Not sure if that was really relevant here, but it certainly was relevant to the gay agenda, but um bum
1: I need okay. like a tiny drum set for my desk. Anyway, so be- um, Richard Gear, as you <laughs> do, you want to do
0: you want yes, to yes,
1: just go for it? Give it to oh, me God. because it was funny via text, and I was like, I wish you hadn't said that to me because I wanted a real reaction because I lol'd at my desk today. And well, was,
0: yeah, was like,
1: what? And I was because like, listen,
0: Richard Gear, though it was just so it was gen it was such a genuine reaction because I worked from home today. In the middle of work I was like let's take a pause and start this movie and god damn it if the first hour if not this entire movie is so fucking boring because Richard Gere is just fucking boring. And he's
1: so boring, dude. Like, I don't understand how Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman was like, oh, <laughs> right. Richard like, Gere, what, he's so stunning and handsome. And then they did the same thing in Runaway Bride. And you're like, fuck me gently with a chainsaw. This is terrible.
0: Right. And like, uh, so so we came to the conclusion that Richard Gere is basically just like a cardboard cutout person. And
1: yeah, like when you uh, go out for Mexican food and the Dos Equis guy is in a cardboard cutout.
0: Right. Uh, but it's gear and like and then it's just like poor women who had to play opposite him. Like they're just getting
1: they must have been so bored to getting dry humped by Richard Gear in a but, closet. Get
0: dry humped by a cardboard person. <laughs> Watch out Watch out for paper cuts, bitch Oh,
1: that just made my lady part so sad.
0: Ooh, will, ooh, ooh. For a multitude
1: I mean, of reasons. Paper cuts in Richard Gear
0: paper cuts and Richard Gear. Um that's what we're that's what we're naming this episode. Good. Fuck um, the
1: whole titling system. This is it.
0: Yeah, but also like I'm realizing now is Richard Gear just a poor man's Harrison Ford?
1: Oh, 185%. Like I'm clearly not a straight person, but Harrison Ford could fucking get it.
0: Like maybe not so much now, but like
1: Maybe now. I don't know. He's grumbly and old and cranky. And, like, that's me in a young person's body.
0: (laughs) I mean, I haven't seen him as of late in pictures of, like, what he looks like now. But, I mean, like, anywhere from, like, the beginning of his career until, like, probably, like, 60.
1: But wait, did you see him in Star Wars?
0: No, I haven't seen any of the newer Mm -hmm. Star Wars movies. Okay,
1: listen. So, like, now he's just, like, a grumpy salt and pepper daddy.
0: That's my type, though. I
1: know. That's why I had to say it to you in that way, so you would understand.
0: Well, there you go, everybody. Now you know my type.
1: Salt and pepper, daddy. That's salt also pe- grumpy.
0: <laughs> Even though that's, uh, well, mm, Arthur is maybe salt and pepper, daddy light.
1: So he's he- like salt and pepper, daddy, like, um, like a Miller light.
0: Yeah, he's like um,
1: half the cows.
0: Half the cows. Full guilt. Full guilt. Like, he's like, a, he's like a salt and pepper grumpy daddy in training, basically.
1: Oh, cool. So you'll really enjoy watching. Listen, I am a huge Star Wars fan for a multitude of reasons. But, like, I was a lot of people were really apprehensive about The Force Awakens. And I 150% am all about it. I saw it in theater six times. Yeah. It's mm. not an exaggeration, but I think a large part of it is because Harrison Ford is just such a hunky old dude. Damn it! Like how Casey and Yaz from the worst horror podcast are all about Paul Rudd being like a hunky time traveler.
0: I mean, Paul Rudd is a hunky time traveler. Sure,
1: but like those, here's the thing: those like,
0: eyes, those eyes can. There's trap just me. something
1: about a hunky, grumpy, salt and pepper daddy that just gets my goat.
0: Well, now I'm googling it because I have to. I'm, okay, Harrison so while you while you Google that, um,
1: um, Oh, so I don't like Deborah I don't Mess- like
0: this this long hair though. I'm not a fan of. Oh,
1: that's weird. Just Google like Google him in Star Wars. So, um, while Nick is googling,
0: Star
1: uh, Shit, Deborah Messing and Harry... I almost said Harrison Ford. Deborah Messing and Richard Gear are dry sure. humping in a closet in a house that they're gonna buy and then they're like, Oh, hee hee he. like we're getting caught, and then they're driving home and then Deborah Messing randomly, like weirdly sees the Mothman and doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, and then she kinda gets in like two baby car accident. And <sighs> during that baby car accident she wrecks somebody's trash can, which is fucking rude. <laughs> yeah. um, they live like, in the D.C. metro area, because he... Doesn't he, like, work for, like, New, like Washington Post or some shit like that? Like, he's a journalist.
0: He Yeah, he's a... IMDb describes his character as a newspaper columnist.
1: Oh, so a fucking journalist. Cool.
0: Exactly, yeah. So,
1: he's a fucking journalist, and they're all, like, all giddy and pumped because they're buying this house, and it's, like, bigger than they... They very much seem like a very modest couple as yeah. far as finance means because they're like oh we're buying a house and then he's like no we're buying a big house Like, I mean it seems like a very monumental occasion for the two of them as a married couple so then the thing happens where the mothman does Deborah Messing a spook and she what Nick has a stroke like what um, what, what occurs does she have like I don't even know
0: So, ultimately, the movie leaves you to decide of your own accord if it was a hallucination she had because of this brain tumor that they found, or did whatever she saw cause the brain tumor, right? Right. Um... Either way, she died real quick. It was like, okay, we had Deborah Mason- Mace, we had Deborah Masing,
1: <laughs> Deborah had- Masing goddammit. damn it.
0: it was like, Deborah- we have Deborah Masing. Oh my God, fuck Is that, Deborah Messing. We have her on set for like three days tops, so we cut out a lot of her scenes because we just got to get done when we got to get done. So she's gonna die. Boom, done. Um, I mean, that's how I picture that having gone. But uh, any whoosie. Um So, yeah. And, and, of course, we have Richard Gere here being all like, wow, damn, my wife died real quick from brain cancer. I don't get it. But I'm a journalist, so I got to look into it. And then he finds this journal that she was keeping with her in the hospital. And, <sighs> you know, like in any other aughts horror film there is a character that was doing like you know really crazed black black charcoal sketchings in a notebook that they held close to them until somebody discovered it Um, and basically it's like her drawing pictures of and describing I mean what we're led to believe is the Mothman
1: right Led to believe that it's something that she saw in that instance, literally an instance.
0: Instance, and it's like, because there was construction work happening on the street that they were in, and there was like those flashing construction orange lights, and like, was it that, and that set off her brain, and because she had this tumor, she had a vision of something, or was it really the Mothman, and like. What's going on? We don't know. But regardless, like, what was the point of that? Right? I guess.
1: Nothing. Nothing. Maybe you just like, set precedent of what was going to happen
0: because basically. the
1: Mothman has been cited in more places than just Point Pleasant, West Virginia.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so
1: I don't know. That's just my non professional opinion.
0: I mean, in, 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 uh, Ripping back the layers of this onion, I would say that now all of Deborah Messing's role in this movie really only plays a part in setting the overall concept and tone of this movie, which is like early '90s. I mean, late '90s, early 2000s, gritty, dark, um, like you know, light washed uh lens flare uh it's like movie it
1: looks crappy like it just like it looks like a film that was like made to be on vhs and should not have been like put on dvd
0: uh well it was um and now it's digital too um
1: yeah i watched it digitally and i was like fuck this still looks like it should be on vhs
0: as did I. I watched it digitally huh. with my Showtime subscription on Amazon oh, Prime. Shit. Um, thanks, Showtime. Hashtag non-spawns. Um, girl, I wish. I know, right? So, anyway, fast forward two years into the future. Um, basically, just letting us know that uh, cardboard person Richard Gere is over his wife's death, basically. Yeah, um, and he's like,
1: I'm going to date this girl named Warren because my coworker." Set me up with her, and he's like, mm, "I'm really not ready." Which fine,
0: right? And and like good for oh. you, cardboard
1: person. Date another cardboard person,
0: right? right. Um, and basically, a uh, uh, potential girlfriend in this movie, cardboard person. Um, what assume? What assumes such? So he is on his way in the car to a final destination of Richmond, Virginia, um, and like. What happened? He somehow got lost on his way there. And he finds himself in this small town, uh, conveniently named Point Pleasant in West Virginia. Whoa, how'd that happen? Um, And then his car breaks down in front of this house and he knocks on the door to be like, hey, can I use your phone and the owner of the house is this older gentleman and his wife. Um, and he's like, Jesus fucking Christ, um, it's you again. And gets his shotgun and is like, uh, what the fuck you here for? And he's like, what are you talking about? And then he like basically takes Richard Gere into his bathroom and makes him stand in the bathtub with this shotgun pointed at him. And honestly, if you're going to blow someone's brains out, do it outside of your house because then there's no cleanup for you.
1: Right. right? Like, um, listen, Will Patton, I understand mm-hmm. that you're possibly having like a psychotic break.
0: Correct. Correct. But like,
1: fucking get it together. Don't shoot somebody in your fucking like mm-hmm. shower.
0: Right. And old man's wife is like, mm. This might be a reason to call the police so she does and the police chief shows up who happens to be laura linney whoa women working as police officers that's a novel idea
1: right and she's like the head like hbic
0: yeah she's running shit um and she's like whoa 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 gordon um old man gordon uh it's okay Calm down. We can figure all of this out. Um, and it turns out that Richard Gear has no recollection of being there. Um, but according to Gordon Smallwood, this older gentleman with the shotgun in his face, he has knocked on their door in the middle of the night for the last three nights. And Richard Gere is like, the fuck you talking about? Um and yeah, so that's like weird shit number one. And Laura Linney's all like, you know what? Everybody around these parts has been experiencing weird shit lately. And um, Mr. Gordon Smallwood's like, yeah. As for instance, I am hearing voices. And um, these voices are in my head, but also coming from my sink. And they're telling me words like Denver. 99 will die um and my friend's name is indrid cold i'm gonna repeat that name indrid cold just yeah bookmark that. He, just,
1: he just fucking he's a weird dude man. um and the then the whole like, time he's like going off i feel very uncomfortable yeah with yeah
0: no situation. no he, he's like one of those like aggressive older men that like maybe can't overpower you but you're not sure so you're like back away from me like don't get any closer um right and so you know he mentions denver 99 will die um laura linney takes richard gear back to you know the center of town and he gets a motel room and then the next morning they're at the diner and on the news there's a report of a plane that was heading for denver or flew out of denver that crashed and all 99 passengers were killed in the crash so it was like oh shit premonitions ingrid cold what's going on we don't know but spooky shit is happening and this cardboard person is gonna do his best to figure it out but spoiler alert he kinda doesn't. Um, so then fast forward here.
1: <laughs> For an investigative journalist, he's not very good at investigating.
0: He's really good at being confused, basically, you know? Yeah. Um, so later that night at the motel Gosh, no, now.
1: Are terrifying. Yeah,
0: no, Gus or who I don't know, maybe it's Lionel, I don't know, but
1: No, it's Gus.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, there he's he's just um He's allowed to express his frustration with Richard Gere's cardboardness. It's true, you know?
1: I agree. I Um, would be frustrated, too, if I had to act with the cardboard cutout.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to say that this joke has probably been beaten to death. Like, a piece of moist cardboard. So, let Leslie... Oh, no. Um, Like
1: a sad, wet box.
0: Oh, a sad, wet pizza box that was left out in the rain because you have recycling the next day, but it rains overnight. It's real gross. Um any so old man gordon's like yo my friend ingrid cold is here and he wants to talk to you on the phone so he's like okay gordon put him on the phone and so richard gear is talking to this ingrid cold guy and he's like i'm not of this world but i have a message for you there will be a tragedy on the ohio river woo and then um I forget the context of the other calls, but he keeps getting like little weird phone calls to his room. Um, and uh, Richard gears like, Hey, Laura Linney get to Gordon's house real quick. Cause his friend Ingrid cold is there and we should probably meet him. And then by the time they get there, Mr. Gordon Smallwood has died of exposure because he was out in Basically his backyard, but like, you know, with no clothes on and it's the winter. So he old and he died from the cold. Um,
1: <laughs> injured cold.
0: Yeah. Ooh, injured cold. But in this movie specifically, that's the last thing we hear of injured cold. Um,
1: Which is very strange because they hammer it home like real hard in the first like 45 minutes.
0: They do. And then it's like it's just dropped with the death of Gordon and... Like, I get wanting to pay homage to a legend, a folklore, but then, like, if you're going to do it, you can't just drop it like that because there's a whole story that we'll get into about it and that's not how it went down. But regardless, now it's like basically the rest of the movie is, um, I'm going to say, like, I don't know. A little bit of us just following somebody around trying to learn information about... It's like a documentary of somebody going to the library, basically.
1: That's what it Uh, feels like. Like, how to check out a book. Or, like, ooh, those Wendy's training videos that I like so much on YouTube.
0: Oh, I love those. The one about... um,
1: Hot beverages? Yeah.
0: the hot beverages one is good. But then also the one about cold beverages with the woman that kind of raps a little bit. Yeah. They're so good. Um Man, if I was a teenager and was sad about having to work at Wendy's, but then those are my training videos, I would be proud to work at Wendy's.
1: I agree. So, like, throughout this movie, you start to see, like, the development of a relationship between Laura Linney and Cardboard Person. Right. Um, And then, like, it all pretty much culminates until, like, the catastrophic event that's about to occur.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, basically, last what? The last act of this movie, which honestly, I don't know how long it was because it seemed like it dragged on a little bit. But um, Richard Gere goes to find uh, this professor who is an expert on the subject of the Mothman. He explains a little bit of the backstory of the Mothman. And that typically the Mothman is like this omen of the coming of bad tides, basically. Right. Um, And then Richard Gere is, like, coming back to town. Him and Laura Linney are really not an item at any time during this movie, but, like, it's kind of forced on you a little bit that, like, the insinuation of it is there. And basically, Richard Gere is, like, trying to get over this bridge and lots of traffic because it's around Christmas time and this bridge is just packed with cars because people are trying to get in and out of this little town of point pleasant and suddenly we see this bridge it's starting to fall apart and the cars are starting to sink into this river which guess what happens to be the river in question from ingrid cold's premonition that he told or it (coughs) he told um richard gear about the ohio river and right. um so richard Gere is able to back up his car off of the bridge before he gets in the water but he's like oh my god i noticed laura linney in her car is going in the water i'm going to go save her because i suddenly have an emotional attachment to her question mark right then basically- it was like literally
1: within minutes of him realizing like the bridge is going to collapse And then he was like, oh, I better react and act like I have emotion.
0: Right, basically, because I'm a cardboard person. So he jumps into the water, and, I mean, he doesn't really save Laura Linney. He just kind of, like, helps her not die because, like, she wasn't really struggling, to be honest. Um, But the end of the movie is basically them sitting in the back of an ambulance, but, like, like, just in, like, towels because, like, oh, they're fine, and... And and then that's literally just it and it fades to black and it basically just like culminates with this text on the screen that says, um, uh, there was never a Mothman sighting again. And bum, that's bum, basically bum. it.
1: Okay. So that's kind of where I come into play because this shit was kind of fucking boring. Not mm. you, the actual fucking no. movies.
0: Yeah. This movie was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it's a few hours, right?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, John A. Keel was not a science fiction writer, which is weird considering the book and the cover both look science fiction-y. He was actually a journalist assigned to tackling reportings of strange animal mutilations, UFOs, and cryptid sightings in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Um, so that's that's where we start, right? Yes um on december 15th 1967 uh the silver bridge collapsed under the weight of rush hour traffic resulting in the deaths of 46 people
0: Mm -hmm. so that's
1: that's the end game of what happens
0: right that is that is the bridge in question in the movie and also in real life
1: right um the silver bridge... I actually did a little research and figured out what kind of bridge this is. Mm-hmm. Um, it is actually called an I-bar chain suspension bridge, which is actually similar to the Brooklyn Bridge.
0: Oh, uh, okay. it was built in
1: 1928 and named after the color of aluminum... the of its aluminum that it was painted, which is really dumb. But it's also West Virginia, so we can't give it too much clout. Um, the bridge carried... U.S. Route 35 over the Ohio River, connecting Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and Gallipolis, Ohio, which is about two and a half hours for me. Hi. Hi. Um, I've been that way, and it's kind of boring. There's not a yeah. whole lot to see. But um, Point Pleasant, West Virginia every year it does have the Mothman Festival, so if that's something you're interested in, they do it every September. Woo. Yeah. Um, so, uh, bu- 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 let me see. So the the actual first sightings of the Mothman started in 1960. Um, well, 1966, November 15th, 1966. Um, four individuals, two sets of married couples, were essentially hanging out and parked at like a lovers lane in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, like getting their like getting their makeout on. Which like you're married and you're still doing that. Like good for you, right? <laughs>
0: Trying to keep the spark alive, I guess. Right.
1: Um, and they began seeing weird sightings of what came to be quote unquote the Mothman. Um, let me see. So, um, uh, so so Kiel was like a journalist, and he was actually sent. About Point Pleasant, West Virginia, initially to investigate uh like UFO sightings and um, weird animal mutilations. Mm-hmm. And that's when things like started really getting weird for him. Like when he started to investigate. Um he started seeing the Mothman, which uh the guy I was reading an article on IGN.com and it's actually his friend. Uh, John Coleman, who was who he's an actual like cryptozoologist. Who, if you don't know what a cryptozoologist is, it's basically like a zoologist for animals that may or may not exist. So uh, it's like being like uh, how you say making up your own profession. Eh, that, yeah, that
0: that that that's that that is some respectable ingenuity, I guess.
1: Right, you got to figure that shit out. Mm-hmm. So. While Keel is investigating this, he starts to experience like weird things happening. Um, he's begun to experience what he calls prophecies, um, by the entities he was dealing with in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. So like he would he would get strange phone calls in the middle of the night telling him like weird things were going to happen. Um And one in particular said that when President Johnson turned over the Christmas lights on the White House, the whole Northeast was going into a blackout. However, uh, by that point, Coleman said that—Coleman is the zoologist—so that Keel started to get fooled by the phenomena, like he just let it get to his head. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on December 15th, John Keel was, like, hunkered down in his apartment in Manhattan— and, like, he's, like, w- like waiting for this blackout. He's got, like, his batteries, he's got his water, and nothing happens, right? And then six minutes later on the TV, there's, like, a scroll on the bottom. Like, you know, like the CNN News scroll. Yeah. It says the bridge collapsed across the Ohio River. And he just, like, loses his fucking mind.
0: Uh-huh. I mean... Right. Yeah.
1: So, it leads me to believe that, like... One, I mean, yes, I have some information on the bridge because I actually find it pretty, like, interesting for the engineering. Um, But we'll get there. But he just kind of, like, I feel like he let it get to his head as far as, you know, believing local legend and lore. And, I mean, it could have just been anybody calling and, like, fucking with him, you know?
0: Yeah, which, I mean, in, in all reality of the situation... Is probably more plausible. But at the same time. Who is to know. Who is to say. So
1: Mm -hmm. the engineering of the bridge. Had multiple points of contact. For the eye bar. Which is like picture. Like you know the Brooklyn Bridge looks like. Picture Mm -hmm. that right. Mm -hmm. So the collapse of the silver bridge. Actually occurred. Because only one. Of those suspensions failed.
0: Okay, which so- is
1: 0.1 inches, 2.5 millimeters deep, which is not very big. Um, uh, analysis showed that the bridge was carrying heavier loads um, than it had originally been designed for, mm. which, you know, is pretty common.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it was
1: also poorly maintained because it's in rural West, West Virginia.
0: Okay. so So we're talking like bendy...
1: Yeah, right. Bendy, shaky bridges. Yeah, too many people in rush hour traffic.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um. So going back to those married couple in like the sixties, mm-hmm. um, John Coleman called it the fourteen T E A N phenomena. Mm. Um. And the two couples saw giant red eyes, um, which scared the shit out of them, and they didn't know what to make of it. But they thought it could have been either a UFO or the Mothman, which was reported to be six to seven feet tall with red eyes and no head. Oh. Yeah. and it, um, So, like, picture it like the way a moth really is where there's, like... I mean, a moth has a head.
0: Duh. but it's But it's kind of like... I it have doesn't no have neck. a neck. Yeah.
1: So, that's kind of where the Mothman thing came from was that it was six to seven feet tall and the eyes were in the breast region like in the chest because it yeah. would have had no neck yeah and huge wings
0: interesting though because the silver statue of the mothman in point pleasant has a neck has so a neck.
1: yeah um the creature came towards them to, uh they took off and the creature followed them uh, right up into the city limits of point pleasant so point pleasant is kind of like ground zero the incident was reported to the local sheriff um, who went to the Lover's Lane and searched around, see puffs of smoke in the nearby area from possible, like, from a possible creature, like, taking off from that area. Mm-hmm. And also landing. So, mm, jury's out. Who knows what, like, a podunk sheriff has to really say about, like, an actual Mothman, or if their Mothman even really exists. Mm-hmm. So... That is basically the legend of the Mothman.
0: Right. And then there was like. A whole bunch of other sightings.
1: Right. I mean that's just the basis of like where he. Like Mothman origins.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: If you and- want to believe in such a thing.
0: And then like. I know this just from like my own knowledge like wasn't that like didn't they think it was like a bird that's like a rare type of bird that like got off of its migration pattern and landed there
1: could be i cannot say for sure
0: who can say for sure but regardless, regardless regardless in this little town the mothman appeared it quote ravaged the community scared everybody to shit between 1966 and 1967 then the bridge collapses in 1967, and suddenly no one more see it anymore. Um, so that's why people feel like the Mothman is like the foreseer or the or the sign, the the bad omen of bad catastrophe to come.
1: Right. He's just kind of like the soothsayer.
0: Right Of That's,
1: scary yeah. happenings.
0: He's like, oh, I'm here, bitch. You better get prepared. Something's gonna happen. I ain't gonna tell you, though. You'll know when it happens, though. Right. Um, like, I
1: have friends that have gone to the Mothman Festival, and they tell they tell me it's kind of a bust.
0: I mean, I, I, I could see that, because, like, how much could there be, you know? Like, I don't want a Mothman corn dog. Do you know what I mean? Like, I
1: mean, I'd probably eat the shit out of that, to be honest.
0: I mean, I want a corn dog, but I don't want a Mothman one. Like, just give me the regular just, corn dog. Just give uh, me a
1: regular old corn dog, dude. It doesn't have to be complicated.
0: Yeah, like, I, I hear that. I hear I hear from my reading <laughs> that <laughs> there's a pancake eating contest or something like that. What? And what the fuck does pancakes have to do with the Mothman?
1: Um, maybe just, like, a podunk old-fashioned, like,
0: county fair type thing. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, that is the Mothman. Do you have any further information to share with us, Ashley? No. Okay, so that is the folklore behind, specifically, the Mothman. But as I have said, put a bookmark in the name... Indrid Cold. And this is why I had asked you to do that. So similarly in the nineteen sixty-six area in time, Jesus Christ, my brain's already half gone. Anyhoosie, um, in the movie, the character of um Gordon, the guy that is like hearing Indrid Cold. Is likely based off of the story of a certain individual named Woodrow Derenberger. What a name. Yeah. And he lived about 100 miles away from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, in Mineral Wells, West Virginia. And as the story goes, on the night of November 2nd, 1966, Woodrow was basically coming home from a sales call. He was a salesperson for something in the 1960s. So, it was raining. It was like super duper downpour raining. So, he's being extra cautious. Cars are passing him according to his recollection of the incident. Um but he's like, "Bitch, I'm going to play it smart and I'm going to just drive as slow as I want to so I don't get no accidents happening here. And as the story goes, he was forced to a screeching halt because his progress was blocked by something that did not look like a typical 1960s automobile. Um, It looked almost like a. Metallic, floating, like the model of the plane that would be on like one of those swingy rides at the carnival, like with the little mini, like wings and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So like that, but it's all silver. Um, and hmm, scratch your head. There was also some lights on it, and they were blinking, and they may have been red and it may have given them given the entire vehicle the appearance of what looked like a stingray with narrow wings and red eyes huh sounds kind of familiar Right. but anyway so he's like the fuck why this happen?" and according to Mr. Woodrow Derenberger it was hovering above the ground and out of it came a man walking very slowly who started to approach his truck and the man got closer and started talking to Woodrow. However, Woodrow's window was still up. So he was communicating with this man telepathically and he was wearing a shiny blue suit Apparently he had a dark complexion, long black hair, about six feet tall. His hair was slicked back, and um, he had a very large grin that spread from ear to ear, kind of like the Joker. Um, yes. and he identifies himself as um, Cold. Just, just Cold. I am Mister Cold. Um, But given his grinning, that is kind of like uh, off-putting, he was also deemed the grinning man. Um, And Cold, as he identified himself, basically told him telepathically that um, he was not here to cause him any harm. He was not in danger. But he was a visitor from another dimension who was curious about the planet earth and its inhabitants. And he was just here to collect some information and data and bring it back to his planet because all he wanted to do was to learn. And after talking for a while, um, he said, okay, we're done for tonight. Just so you know, me and my other not-from-this-earth beings have been quietly mingling with Earthlings for some time, and this will not be the last you hear from me. And then Cold returned to his craft, and, um, and that's it. He flew off into the night sky and disappeared. And then Woodrow went home and was like, "The fuck? Um... And he immediately went to the press because Cold said, please let everyone know that this interaction happened so that everyone can know that beings from another planet are here and we mean no harm. Also, I just remembered that Woodrow is a sewing machine salesman. Okay? oh how strange how strange but basically long story short uh cold becomes known as the grinning man through all of woodrow's descriptions of the interaction of course like with anything else he came forward with his story and then other people who were also happened to be driving on that highway the same night he was as like Oh, yeah, I saw that. It was totally real. Like, I saw the whole thing. Like, I was there and blah, blah, blah. Um, And essentially, as the story goes, as time goes on, Cold comes back to Woodrow um, and visits him multiple times over the course of the years to essentially gather more information, have friendly conversation, Over time, Cold eventually says to Woodrow that his full name is Indrid Cold. Indrid Cold. Doesn't that sound familiar? Um, But they would never have conversations uh, through verbal communication. Everything was telepathically. Sometimes Indrid Cold wasn't even there and it just kind of entered his mind. And what Woodrow described was him having this quote funny feeling in his head and then he would hear the voice enter his head and um every time that he and cold had a conversation he was always very reassuring that he was not there to do any harm to anybody um but as the years went on um Woodrow did say that after any time he had a telepathic communication with injured cold, he would suffer from these like debilitating super duper bad migraines afterwards. And over time, uh, he said that their relationship became so strong that he actually came to visit at Woodrow's house with his wife and him. And, um, eventually, uh, Ingrid Cold would be able to prove to his wife that he was of no harm and they would let him in the house and he would bring some of his cohorts from, you know, other places. Um, and Darren uh, Woodrow told the story about how once Ingrid Cold brought his navigator with him and the navigator's name is Carl Ardos and one of the times where they let Indrid and Carl in the house, he kind of gave them a full explanation about how um, uh, they are extraterrestrials. They are very similar to humans, um, but they live on the planet Lanulos, And it's very similar to Earth in many ways. Um, they also have families and get married there and raise children together in couples. However, the major difference is that there is no war on this planet of Lannulos because everyone gets along and self governs each other. And there is no uh, organized democracy or, uh, you know, class system of any type. Everybody just gets along. Um, and basically, over time, Woodrow's wife is like, "Bit you crazy. And she's like, I'm leaving you. And eventually he, you know, just kind of passes away. But he claims that he continued to be visited by Indrid Cold for the remainder of his life. And um, really these visitors that Indrid brought with him were just always interested in just collecting information about the habits of humans and animals and plant life and that was it um basically like they were creepy watchers and um yeah so uh woodrow became famous because of this and you know that also put straight on the marriage but ultimately You know, I would also question if my spouse was sane, if they kept being like, no, it's true. I am getting visitors from outer space and blah, blah, blah. So that's Indrid Cold. Never did Woodrow ever completely say that he was getting like glimpses into the future. It was more so that Indrid Cold was here to observe humanity But his ship very much uh, has similarities to the description of the Mothman. And so the question is, are Indrid Cold and the Mothman the same? Are they not the same, but related because they both come from different places and have come here um, with agendas? Who knows? But... You know, it's just very convenient. They both happened around 1966 to 1967, and the only reason I even brought up the story of Injured Cold slash the Grinning Man is essentially because they pay homage to both the Mothman and Injured Cold in the movie Mothman Prophecies. Um, but you know, they kind of pay poor homage to both folklore tales um, in this movie. Uh, starring a wet cardboard garbage human. And Endeavour uh,
1: Messing and Laura Linney.
0: And Debra Messing and Laura Linney, who are perfect female human beings. So that is my end of this shenanigan story. Um,
1: what a weird fucking movie. Like, the movie's not good. Like, it, I'm going to go yeah. ahead and pumpkin this right now. I'm going to give it two. I, but, like, I yeah. think... I think it also has to do a lot like with Haunting in Connecticut, where it had to do a lot with the time period in which it was shot. I,
0: I would agree on that aspect, but like like I would still like if someone was forcing me to watch The Haunting in Connecticut or the Mothman prophecies, I would still watch The Haunting in Connecticut because at least there's some type of entertainment value to it. Like this is a boring movie. Like Everything that's happening that's supposed to be like the high stakes situations aren't really high stakes. Um, Everything seems to be downplayed in a weird way. Um, There's a very abrupt ending. I feel like the beginning is also very abrupt. There's not many transitions between scenes. Um,
1: There there was that weird scene where... Uh, Richard Gere is like running across the like causeway kind of thing at the hospital, like when he finds out his wife dies. Yeah. And like that was shot really weird, but like also very innovative for 2002.
0: Yeah. I feel like they were trying to make an art house film with this, but
1: I feel like that's giving this film too much credit.
0: I, well, I, I feel like it's like maybe art house with training wheels, but then. Right.
1: So it's like fart house.
0: It's like Fart House, but then like also the training wheel fell off and then like, oopsie poopsie, you fell off the bike and like skinned your knee. So it's like not even Fart House. It's like, uh, what's worse than Fart House? Shart House? I was about to
1: say Shart House. So thank you.
0: Oh my God. Oh my God. Very proud of myself.
1: Thank Thank you for reading my mind and realizing Shart House should be a film type. Thank you thank you so this film yeah. we're going to give it 4 out of 10 which is 44 yes. less than Rotten Tomatoes and IMDB oh well <laughs> oh well shard house call me, call me nasty but shard house is um, so with that we are going to be next week is the last week of September
0: uh huh
1: So we're going to start our spook series.
0: We are going to start the home season. Oh, I'm
1: so excited.
0: I literally cannot handle myself. Have we decided what we're doing next week? I completely forgot. No, we might have.
1: But everything has just been so up in the air for me. And you've been really busy having a house guest. So um, we can just wing it and get back to y'all.
0: I mean, either way. I guarantee you that the next five episodes going into October and through the actual October slash Halloween season, these are going to be some good ass movies because we've been saving them for this month specifically. Um, Do you want to do like Elvira? I mean, I'm not going to say no to that. I feel like originally we had said that we are going to do for October All movies that are set specifically on Halloween.
1: Right. But this is still September.
0: Oh, you mean for next? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Let's do Elvira. That seems like a very perfect way to ring in the holiday season.
1: Mmm. The Homo-ween season is my Uh, favorite time of year.
0: Homo-ween. Homo-ween. I am currently working on the visuals for Homo-ween. And I'm very excited. They should be really fun. I know for
1: a fact that, like, I had written down in my calendar, like, what we were doing.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Um, so, should we, should we tell them what we're doing?
0: I mean, I know that this, I mean, why not? Let's just bust open this pinata of (sighs) Halloween candy, right?
1: Okay, so September 30th,
0: Mm -hmm. Elvira. Sure.
1: So, uh, October 7th, Hocus Pocus, baby.
0: Yas Queen.
1: Um, we don't have anything for the 14th or the 21st, so... Why don't you all slide into our d- DMs and tell us what you want us to cover?
0: Yeah, tell us your favorite scary movies that are set on Halloween. Um, I'm hoping that multiple people say that we should do trick or treat because listen,
1: let's just say we're gonna do trick or treat. We could do that the 21st. Okay. That's also a, a moon day.
0: Yeah, but you and know. then the
1: 14th, the 14th is up for grabs. Pumpkins, tell us yeah, what you want so us to do.
0: Let us know. Because, obviously, the week of Halloween, that's got to be something special.
1: We're doing Halloween. And we're doing
0: Halloween.
1: I'm very excited. And not like the Rob Zombie one. Not the new Halloween. No, no, baby. No, no. OG Halloween.
0: 1978. Jamie Lee Curtis cementing her status as the new generation's Scream Queen taking the crown from her actual biological mother—it's all gonna be wonderful and fantastic. I'm so excited!
1: I'm so excited! I can barely contain my excitement. I
0: can barely contain my excitement, and I was trying to think of something funny and witty to say, but I can't think of it. Um, I just. October is a good excuse to eat too much candy. Um, binge on horror movies. Actually, while I have you here, Ashley, um, an idea that I thought would be fun to do is to basically make a list together of like 31 horror movies that we feel like everybody should watch during October. Yes. Yeah. Um, not necessarily that like we're gonna like, you know, track them or whatever, but make a list, make it interactive. People can do it, people can follow along. Um, so I will work on designing that, and we'll collab on what movies should be on the list. Um,
1: also, I know you're working on New Merch for the Halloween season. I am. I'm very excited.
0: It should be good. I don't know why I can't stop singing.
1: Um, maybe because it's uh. almost homoween and we're all we're in the home stretch of September slash back to school season Girl. slash fact first film slash I'm tired. hmm Um, we are doing something cool next week with Toil and Trouble podcast. We are. Yeah, we are. Well, I mean, it's ne- it's airing next week. We're doing it tomorrow.
0: Oh, oh my goodness. I didn't forget, but totally it was not in my brain for a second.
1: I know. It's penciled into
0: your calendar. It is penciled into my calendar. I know exactly what we're doing. My brain is just leaving my body um, because it's 9 p.m. on a weeknight. And guess what, pumpkins? Ya bitch is old. Ya boy. Ya boy.
1: skinny penis. Um, oh, your boys. So, and with that, Pumpkins, stay tuned. Uh, we're gonna not going to be... give any information away on Toil and Trouble Podcast. That's, no,
0: but... That's
1: for, for Tori to divulge. That's not our job.
0: Yeah, I'm certainly excited. It's going to be good times. Also, like, spoopy poopy, homoweenness. Um, you know, as always, you can slide into our DMs on Instagram at copulators die first pod Um, for reals pumpkins. Please give us suggestions for your favorite scary movie set on Halloween that we should do for one of the weeks in October. Also, you can email us your ideas at copulators die first podcast at gmail.com rate comment, subscribe specifically on the iTunes and
1: uh it's tuesday we're almost into we're almost into hump day home stretch
0: yeah i just felt like we had i feel like we did find our groove again during this episode and i just don't want to lose it you know what i mean we
1: won't lose it it's our child we can't lose it it's not like we're going to the ball or anything
0: it's true um so (laughs) i guess
1: hydrate before you dehydrate my
0: friend i don't want to dehydrate i just want (laughs) to hydrate
1: (laughs) hydrate pumpkins stay hydrated, and keep on creeping on, and we'll see you next week.
0: Girl, bye. bye! Bye!